Time is 10 minutes to nine on Tuesday, the 11th of June, 2013. My name is Garen Thomas. And I'm Simon Payne. And you're listening to episode 48 of our Errand of Mercy. Hello. Hello, everyone. Today, Simon, I, I must admit I am a little bit tired going into the show record. Why could that possibly be, G? Um, I've been on holiday in Vienna, which yeah, is lovely. lovely. Um, I'd like to say thank you to Josh for letting me sleep in his in his flat. Got back today. You know, I, to be fair, I got back sort of a reasonable time here. I got back sort of, I was in Manchester about half on the afternoon. That's a um, good but, time to get back from holiday. Yeah, it does mean that, for, that getting to the airport this morning, though, I had to get a coach at six o'clock in the morning to Bratislava Airport. Fantastic. Um, which I think is five o'clock British summertime. So... I have been up for a little while at this point. Pretty early. 
yeah, it's feeling quite late for me. I'm having a hard time judging what time it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's obviously it's not jet lag because like it's it's a two hour flight. You know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, exactly. It's, oh, it's, it's so difficult. It's an internal European flight. I'm not dealing with jet lag, <laughs> but I am dealing with having been up for quite a while and having like five hours sleep last night. <laughs> You're so, too busy partying last night. You should have taken it easier. Last night, I, I, I last night I took it fairly easily. Easy. We um, yeah. We I didn't really. I don't think I really drank last night. We went to went round. I stayed with my friend Josh in Vienna, and we went round his girlfriend's house and watched the last episode of Game of Thrones. So how was that? How did you find the last episode of Game of Thrones? Um, it, I enjoyed it. It was pretty uh, chilled compared to the second to last episode. It, wasn't it? it was pretty chilled. I think that was a good that was yeah. a good idea uh, on the producers and writers <laughs> of Game of Thrones. I think it'd have been, if it had been as intense as the uh, penultimate episode of the season, a lot of people might have gone insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I personally died twice during the uh, the second to last episode, so I can't imagine how bad the yeah. finale would have been if it was that intense. Exactly. I mean, I, I think, I think there would have been some questions asked in Parliament, that sort of thing, if that had happened. You know, UN commissions on Game of Thrones to look into it. A UN investigation into the Red Wedding and its yeah. impact on society. I could see it being a real issue. You know, <laughs> that that could have pushed some people over the edge. Then I really like... think it could have, Simon. If if they'd ended the season on that. It literally, I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine the nerd rage and tears that would have gone down. Um, so yeah, that's how that's how I sort of ended my whole day in Vienna. But I had a really lovely time there. I'd like to thank the people of of that of that fair city for their hospitality. Um, All right, Floyd, chill out. I no, I, I mean I had um I, I had a free bar one one evening. Um, it's always nice. That always I, makes me more philosophical about a locale. Exactly. I, I I had sausages with cheese in, which is an incredible invention that yeah. I think needs to spread further throughout this uh, this great continent until it reaches us. That's a bit mad as it's a concept. A, it's like a hot dog, Simon, but the sausage has cheese inside the like hot an, dog. An inverse hot dog. It's called like a Kaiser Kreiner, Kaiser Kreiner. Cool. Um, it was it was awesome. I had a couple of those. Those were really good. Um, and and goat's cheese ice cream, which was very nice. Oh, that's um, like the, what crazy food they have I know, on, crazy, on the continent. Crazy, but very nice food. I gotta say, um, you know. And yeah, it, it was a lovely. It was a lovely. It was a lovely, relaxing holiday. Obviously, you know, I have to get there. I have to get to Vienna. Um, and I left it a bit to the last minute, sort of sorting out uh, flight tickets. It's it's a boring story, like, but basically I had to leave it all to the last minute, um, which meant flying with uh, Ryanair. One um, of the finest of the um, the airlines that operate from our fair nation. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I haven't flown with Ryanair before. I'd always been put off by some of the, uh, some of the stories about the things they charge for, essentially everything. Yep. Um, oxygen. But, um, Would you like oxygen? Yeah. Do, do, do you want a pressurized cabin in the plane? <laughs> you do. Okay, that's going to be a couple of pounds more. Because I, th- I think the cheapest I've ever gone before is EasyJet. Um, and to be honest, the experience wasn't a great deal difference. Um, yeah. But there's just like a there's a couple of things about flying that I kind of 
the pilots on the plane were mental is one thing yeah. um, it's like I, I i mean in my youth i've flown on raf flights which aren't really known for their sort of comfortable flying conditions yeah. basically and the you know and it's basically kind of former bomber pilots and stuff kind of going a bit mental in planes i Um, would be i would be most happy with having a raf pilot as the pilot of the plane that i'm on though because you know that if he had to if 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 he had to evade like incoming anti-aircraft fire he could probably do it i'm not sure not sure if uh, a ryanair pilot could do that i'm not sure but they they would they seem to be trying (laughs) there there was there were some crazy maneuvers going on i mean i can't fly a plane simon but this was a we were getting thrown around a bit and like really heavy landings about that was the first issue um because like the first we flew into bratislava and it like i was me and the guy the guy who was sat next to me we were like that's a that would i was like is that just is it just me or is this guy kind of going in a bit like hardcore and he was like no definitely this is really weird so i thought oh it must just be this one pilot but yeah different pilot this morning exactly the same issue like kind of just like flying into liverpool airport at like a 45 degree angle it's like (laughs) dude calm the fuck down all of the lamp posts on the way in going as you shear the tops off of them yeah pretty much so that was one issue but you know i could deal with it because i survived which is really all you need from a airplane pilot is you need to survive uh, yeah i mean because you are doing something mental so as long as you survive from one end to another with most of your stuff yeah they're doing basically their job the issue I had with, with, with like passengers on planes applauding when you land. Yeah, that's seems, a that's a thing. It's a thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's something I've noticed like more and more like over the years. Like I swear, people never used to applaud the fact that the pilot had done what they're being paid thousands of pounds to do. I don't think that it happens on all. Like it didn't happen. I went when I went to uh, Corfu to see my fiance's dad. That didn't happen on that plane, right? Um, what plane was that though? That, that was just an EasyJet flight. Yeah, you see, I've noticed it happens on Ryanair planes and EasyJet planes for me. Like if you do a transatlantic flight, no one claps. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's because uh, a transatlantic flight, especially if you're going to America, is a very somber occasion where everybody's weighing up the possibilities of being strip searched by uh, by little Hitlers. I mean, there is that, yeah. That there is the fact that you know you're going to land at America and some guy's going to invade every body cavity and throw away half of your hand luggage because it might explode or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess that that's true. Um, so yeah, the applause was something I'm kind of I annoyed me. I was like, what's from this? But also, like, so as I say, incredibly rough landings. And you hit the runway, and literally the second the plane hit the runway, people were popping open their belts and like getting up and shit. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Get back in your seats, everyone!" Yeah, have you never like have you never watched the plane disaster movie? Because like, what happens at the end is they hit the runway, and then like the wheels explode and they skid along and like. Yeah. Oh, flight everyone's fine and but you know still that happens i'm like that could still happen we're not out of the woods yet everyone 
Like what, what, that, ideally, what I want is I want people to like kind of when when the plane has got to the terminal, I want somebody to come along with a with a like a power screwdriver and unscrew my chair from the bottom of the airplane, and they can carry me onto the it terminal, and then I will uncleat myself then, but not until that point. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, that would be my my perfect plane situation. But it's just people are nuts. So yeah, if they like kind of unbuckle themselves and stand up while the plane's still kind of bombing along at like a hundred <laughs> miles an hour down a runway. That's and, amazing. Like, and as the pilot kind of drifts it into the terminal, the guy the guy's like, Oh yeah, woo! Good work. <laughs> Everyone's on their feet giving him a standing ovation. It's like, guys, sit the fuck down. I've never seen that happen before. Most people on pl- flights that I've been and everybody waits because but there's the the whole thing of the English abroad where the assumption is the first person to the baggage reclaim belt is the first person to leave, which isn't the way it works. Uh, like because the, the, the mystical pack- gods they choose, the mystical gods from beyond the flaps. They're the <laughs> ones who choose. We will be sorted and the some will be found worthy and some will be found wanting. Yeah. And and anyway, like even if you are the first person to get your bag, you are still going to have to wait an hour for the coach. So, exactly. Yeah, like it, it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Just slow the fuck down. <laughs> Everybody's just really excited to get on, get on holiday, or or get back to England. That's always the way it is. Yes, that's it. I guess that is it. Um, I always, I, I, I think I'm a leisurely traveller most of the time. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like to take my time because, you know, you're not going to get anywhere any faster than anybody intends you to. Mm. So you flew back into Manchester Airport, did you? No, I flew back to Liverpool. Oh, um, wow, okay. Because, yeah, I obviously I was going from I, – I, I live in Manchester and was going to Vienna, so my flight was from Liverpool to Bratislava <laughs> um, and back because, you know, that's you know, just the way the world works. That makes perfect sense to me. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, have you been to uh, to London Gatwick any time recently? <sighs> Not recently. I mean, it's probably been like, like seriously, it's probably been nearly 10 years the last time I flew out of Gatwick. Passport control at London Gatwick is, uh, that's something to behold. Um, I'm yeah. not sure if all passport control places are the same, but I've flown from London Gatwick a couple of times in the last couple of months. Um, and that is a, that is a room you don't want to be in, geez, <laughs> for sure. It's essentially yeah. just like loads and loads of people of of various different. It's it's interesting because you have like thousands of people, maybe even millions of people, go through that building every day of different creed, colours, and nationalities. And when you get to passport control, everybody is unified by confusion and yeah, uh, and and fear and a vague sense of unease because it's like it's all de- like the geometry of the space <laughs> is all designed to make you like afraid. Yeah, so no one knows what queue they're in, and they're yeah. like, "Shit, I'm in the wrong queue, and I'm going to be arrested and die in Guantanamo Bay." Yeah, yeah, for some reason, even though I'm in England, and like, <laughs> yeah. the ceiling's too low, and everybody has to like cross ac- go across each other, yeah. um, and you're you're then put in the extremely difficult situation. I'm not sure if this is difficult for anybody else, but for British people, the situation of constantly encountering the same stranger in an enclosed place so oh, you're like yeah. so you 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 go like because it the line crosses over itself a number of times to get to the front so they can fit as many people in and make them queue as possible there's you you'll meet people coming back the other direction and you're like hey hello, hello yeah, yeah hey. i yes yeah. i i had i 
on my flight to Bratislava, I was sat next to a guy from Leeds. And, you know, we had a bit of discussion about how crazy the pilot was. Um, then, we, then we were both going to Vienna. And so we ended up on the same coach. So we were like yeah. having a bit of a chat. It was like, bye, okay. And then, and then, you know, obviously we ended up on the same flight back and just kept bumping into each other at like passport control, collecting the bags, ev- like everywhere. And it was all like, oh, oh hi, hi, hi again. You, that guy you, whose that name guy. I forgot that I met five days ago and know nothing about. Hi. We're now, we're now kind of friends, but we're not really friends. We're not really friends. Dave, Steve, Jeffrey, Jonathan, something like that. Yeah. Passport control places always have low ceilings, going back to that. It's something I've noticed. Because, like, you'll be in a massive terminal building where every other room is, like, two storeys tall. And yeah. yet passport control will always be in some weird low-roofed shed around the yeah, side. Exactly. Like, they've forgotten that they'd need to do that. And it was, like, just after we finished the airport, it's like, oh, shit. Right, get some porter cabins, <laughs> stick them together. We'll put passport control in that. We'll attach them to the side there. We'll yeah. put the most uh, the most anguished looking people, fucking people who do not want to be there as well. Nobody wants to be in that building. No, not even the people working like working there. Oh God, no! No one wants to be a passport control ever. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, it's horrible. <laughs> There's like people and um, at, at Gatwick, they have like a this big line along one wall that just says the UK border on it. Like once you get past this line, you're fine. Like yeah. no. I'm pretty sure that's not the way international borders work. I don't think you can just like you can just build one specific part of an airport on like a ley line or something, and that is like that. Like once you get like we're already in England, we're definitely already in England because Gatwick isn't like coastal. It's somewhere yeah. near London, so you can't pull that shit on me. Land me like next to a fucking home base, and then be like, you're not in England yet. But I am. Yeah. Um, Liverpool John Lennon Airport, by the way, can I just put a message out to them? Guys, your your airport literally smells of shit. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you're built next to a fertiliser factory or something, Liverpool John Lennon Airport, but your entire airport smells of chicken shit. (laughs) Well, I know you're trying to disguise it with your awful display of a couple of suits that John Lennon wore. Uh, but your airport smells of shit. <laughs> is that like that? That's all they've got to John that, Lennon to to commemorate him at that airport. They've got suits. a couple, they've got a couple of suits and like some quotes on walls and things. Oh, cool! It's not cool. It's like the, it's seriously one of the worst airports I've ever been to. Um, <laughs> like Bratislava Airport was quite nice, you know, a nice sort of regional airport. I would say Liverpool John Lennon's fucking horrible. <laughs> So there you go. That's our Errand of Mercy top tip for this week. Don't go to Liverpool John Lennon Airport. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Unless you want all of your holiday clothes to smell slightly like they're covered in chicken shit. Because they are now. Are they? Is that what all of your stuff smells kind of shitty? Probably, yeah. They they crumble it in. They just like a like a stock cube, like a, an essence of chicken shit cube. They crumble it into your into your uh, luggage. Luggage, yeah. As it goes over the conveyor belt, this lo- it's a guy stood outside just crumpling up a little a little block of it over everyone's backs. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was some of my holiday. Um, obviously, you know, this is Erin to Mercy, so I like to moan, but it was actually very nice and I had a lovely time. Well, that's good. 
um, glad that you had a you had a good time in in Vienna. Yeah. Um, speaking of things I want to moan about, I just want to throw into so Liverpool John Lennon Airport. Stop smelling of shit. Um, Coca Cola. <laughs> stop putting other people's names on bottles of Coca Cola. I am not kidding. I haven't drunk a bottle of co- like I. I, I think it's been mentioned on the show. One of my favourite uh, soda drinks. I don't drink it much. Diet, a diet cherry coke. Yeah. Off. Um, literally, haven't drunk a single like cola for like two weeks or something. Because what do you feel like you're stealing other people's coke? Yeah, I don't want to drink a Coke that says, like, Jenna on it or something. Like, who the fuck's Jenna? I don't want to drink this Coke with it. I bought it for myself. No, fuck you, Tom. This isn't yours. This is my Coke. (laughs) I like that Coca-Cola? None of your bottles say Geraint on them. What a fucking surprise. None of them have Simon on them either. I haven't been able to find a single Simon one. And Simon's not, like, a rare name. No, not at all. There's loads of people called Simon. Yeah, plenty of ones with Mohammed on, eh? Well, plenty I mean, with I... Mohammed, none with Simon. Mohammed is like the most pop- co- common name in the world, so that's fair enough. Hey, all it? I'm saying is it's their law, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had like a, I, 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 I dug right to the back of a bunch of Mohammeds. There wasn't one Simon. I was like, I don't know why I thought like, because I only dug to the back of one rack in Greg's. But, but but I think it's because I just started with the Mohammeds and then I realised I looked a bit like a madman. Well, this is the thing. Like, everyone's kind of rooting through Cokes. Oh, I'll find a Coke with my friend's name on it. No! They don't give a shit. No one gives a, gives a shit about what Coca-Cola name it is. Just buy a Coke without a label on it, for fuck's sake. But you can't do that. You yourself no. can't do that. No one can do that anymore. No one could just buy a bottle of Coke or a can of Coke. They have to get someone's name. Like, I'll be, I'll buy a po- bottle of Coke and I'm like, that's not a name. It'll be like sort of Porsche or something. Porsche. Oh, or Nelly. Me. Nelly would, would enjoy. Maybe Nelly would enjoy Coke with Porsche after yeah, he's uh, done whatever it is. There's probably bottles of Coke that say Nelly on them. Like, <laughs> Who's gonna? You're not gonna see Nelly. Well, actually, you might. He's quite a trashy man. But you know, the point I'm making is it's ridiculous, and it's like the worst ad campaign ever because it just means I'm not buying Coke until they stop putting names on it. All of the big bottles as well have stuff like friends and family written on them, which uh, which I think is quite presumptuous. There should be there should be three options. There should be friends, family, and this one fat guy. That's what all the big bottles should have on them. Yeah, sitting at home alone watching Arrested Development. That's yeah. what we want on a bottle of Coke. <laughs> what, written on the side? Yeah. Oh, they should have labels you print yourself. You can have no, whatever you want on I, like The last thing I want to do is make... Because then you'd have to do it online. The last thing I want to do is make buying a soda a social media experience. No, that, yeah, but that's what they want you to do, isn't it? Like, exactly. Like, like, exactly. Like, that's what it's all about. Like, like innovate, express yourself with a Coke. No, don't. Just drink a Coke. Yeah. Does anybody just not just do things anymore? Tweet <laughs> pictures of this Coke. No. If you buy this Coke, it automatically tweets in your Twitter name that you're drinking a Coke. So yeah. you don't have to tweet about yourself drinking a Coke. Scan this code on the side of our bottle of Coke and it'll, it'll post an update to your Facebook so all of your friends can join your Coke quest. Just <laughs> join me on Coke quest. 
Hashtag YOLO. <laughs> so, yeah, Coca-Cola, stop doing that, you shit. Like, can't people just do things? No. Can't just do a thing now? We can't do a thing. Like, if, if you're not Instagramming it or tweeting it or Facebooking it, it doesn't count. It doesn't, it's not happening anymore. Skype my Coca-Cola. <laughs> It's like the Xbox One. It's like yeah. it, it it skypes and it and it sports and it and and it TVs doesn't play games very well. We haven't really we haven't really thought about that aspect of the design. Yeah, I mean we're not going to talk about consoles apart from I'm going to talk about consoles for a second here. Yeah. But like, because I mean I don't care. Like basically, the, I I own a GameCube. That's the only games console I own. <laughs> Such an amazing like, like you've you've only ever owned one console in your life and it's a GameCube. Is that correct? Um. Personally, yeah. Like yeah. we've had other consoles in the family house, yeah. but yeah, that that that's the only one I've ever owned. Um like I've sometimes thought, oh, maybe I'll get an Xbox and I'm like, no, nah, I can't really be bothered. Just play games on my PC. There we um, go. That's uh that's our uh, that's our E three roundup. But no, I I did no, I I was going to say, like, I remember seeing like when they announced the I don't know, maybe it was the PlayStation 4, maybe it was the Xbox, I don't really know which one and it was like yeah share this with your friends use your kind of unique username to let friends know what you're playing at any time share your achievements share what games you're playing share points it's like no i don't want to do that i want to sit at home in my pants and play a video game that's what the ps4 does there's a button on the controller so you can share anything you do at that specific point yeah i all i want is to sit at home with a games console, not not one that I, I mean, yeah, I want to sit at home playing a video game, drinking a bottle of Coke with nothing written on it in my pants without anyone else having to know about it. I hate that everything has to be a social experience these days. Yeah. Time, I spend a lot of time being social in my day-to-day life. Sometimes I just want a couple of hours in a day where I could be anti-social. <laughs> Just no, you can never switch it off. You have to share everything now. You have to share literally everything. Ugh. Geraint has spent the last two and a half hours strangle wanking to transvestite pornography. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm going. <laughs> if you listen back to the shows, because uh, they're all on Feedburner, any time that I that I suggest that you've done something devi- deviant, I know that like. You don't strangle wank to yeah. uh, to transvestite pornography because you're more of a futanari dick girl kind of guy. <laughs> but but quite often, if I catch you in it unaware, you, you, your response, your immediate response, is that of a conservative p- politician who's been caught doing something with well, his pants down. It's the, amazing. The reason is, I was trying to work out how to phrase this without totally revealing the person involved i think <laughs> this is already good i'm already I've looking forward to this. this story off air um there is a i don't know kind of like how well you know but let's say at, least, at the very least a mutual acquaintance who post like on facebook a message sort of appeared on facebook saying this person likes japanese rape scene with a link to like a video I, I didn't watch it i did make a comment the person apparently didn't notice and it's just left it up on their page so if you know that person like, as far as i'm aware if you scroll back through their timeline you can still see this yeah 
that that and it was just like yeah this is this is social media now kind of that's like, what we do this is what i'm wanking to world <laughs> world i've got uh, i've got like a new it's a new kind of wristwatch and um it 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 connects to your computer by wi-fi and it, it tells everybody how much you're how vigorously you're wanking to certain <laughs> kinds of pornography yeah it's 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 like it's like one of those pedometers but it just knows how much you're wanking at it. No, it's a, it's it's a, it's not a pedometer. It's a pedometer. <laughs> it's the way it works. Pedophiles have to wear them. But seriously, though, like I mean, the sharing thing is true because, like, whenever you know, whenever I'm on certain in less salubrious websites, and it's got like, it's got like a little share button. And I'm always terrified that one of these days I'm going to accidentally click it. I mean, I know that nothing's going to happen because it's going to ask me to like link all of my social media accounts and stuff. But it's like, I don't, no one in the world wants other people to know about this. What's Why? wrong, man? What's wrong? Are you ashamed? Of, you ashamed of that? You ashamed of the things that, that, that make you who you are? Yes, yes, I am ashamed of my sexuality. Everyone should be ashamed of their sexuality. You need to, you need to get to know yourself. <laughs> you need to spend some time, some quality time with yourself. Really get to know what drives you as a person. Yeah, and... on my own, without other people having to. And then tell everybody about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, world, I'm wanking and drinking a bowl of coke with my name on it. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Club can't even handle this boner. <laughs> That I have for like I don't know furry pornography, <laughs> my awkward furry boner <laughs> that I'm twit picking right now. Just put a sepia uh, wash on that and stick it up on uh, Instagram. Here's <laughs> my boner next to a bottle of coke with with a, with someone else's name on it. <laughs> this is the only way I can get aroused now. <laughs> this is. This is my boner next to a bottle of Coke that says Rihanna on it, and I've stuck <laughs> Rihanna's face, like a shocked version of Rihanna's face, onto the <laughs> bottle as well. <laughs> Sepia tone it, put it on the internet. Just then. <laughs> this is. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna start like an installation at the Tate. It's all gonna be stuff like that. Yeah. Now I think that would go down. Really well, actually. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. <sighs> oh Lord! You know, um, on the show in recent uh, weeks and months, we've been a big fan of. Uh, I think uh, I think we've called it efficient crime. People who uh, people who commit a number of a number of quite jovial or comical um, crimes all at once. Sometimes yeah, but- by accident, sometimes intentionally. We we like people who commit a lot of crimes at once and and generally don't harm other people in the process. Yes, yeah, I have a story from Kentucky, similar to where we were last week, which was uh, where was that? That was um, the town of where was it? It was Albuquerque, New Mexico, I think. Yeah, the town of Albuquerque. We're now in Kentucky, um, uh. where a man has um, attempted to destroy a PT cruiser. Uh, with a firebomb. Well, I can only approve of that. So, <laughs> No one likes PT Cruisers. And, no uh, one on earth has ever liked a PT Cruiser. <laughs> um, apparently it stemmed from what authorities are calling a domestic dispute, but we all know that you know he was just doing, uh, doing what had to be done. In Louisville, uh, Kentucky, 
he uh, he attempted to firebomb the car uh, in the process of doing so. So it was like a drive-by firebombing. He drove up to the side of it, um, smashed the window, and threw a firebomb inside. There was then a massive explosion of fire from inside the car he was firebombing, which set him and his car on fire. <laughs> He then proceeded to attempt to escape the scene whilst he and his car were ablaze. Oh, my Um, God. In the process, he rammed two other cars, um, (laughs) set the second car he rammed into on fire. Oh, my God. The car that he had set fire to then rolled down the hill into the side of a house, which (laughs) it proceeded to set on fire. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, he was put out and detained at the scene, uh, was taken to hospital for treatment, but has uh, since escaped. And as of Monday morning, he is still at large. Amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm assu- I can only assume that maybe the human torch got drunk because that's, that's, that's a lot of fire all of a sudden. So he tried to set a PT cruiser on fire and actually end up setting three cars and a house and himself on fire. Yeah, yeah. Wow, good work. Great it's amazing. Work. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much. I love the way that, you know, yeah, we're talking about efficient crime. He's like, he's done uh, he's done arson, property damage. Um, and uh, I think may, may, he may have been drunk. I think it seems like the only way that you could, like, it's not the response of a sober man to uh, set yourself and your car on fire and then attempt to escape the scene in the car that is on fire. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that if he was sober, he would have got out of his own car that was on fire instead of trying to drive a burning car. Was it Nicolas Cage as Ghost Rider? (laughs) Or was it just Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage on Crystal Meth? Was it Nicolas Cage on Crystal Meth on fire? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. <laughs> this week, we ask the question, what if it was Nicolas Cage on Crystal Meth on fire? <laughs> you can ask that about anything. You can ask that about anything, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> 911. Was it? Was it? Was it Nicolas Cage on Crystal Meth on Fire? Probably was. He probably did that. I think we should probably. blame him for that. Probably did that. Let's be honest. <laughs> all of those all of those things, anything that you can think of. Yeah. Um, um, Project Prism. That was probably Nicolas Cage probably, on probably Crystal Nicolas. Meth on Fire. Okay. Um, obviously, you've mentioned Project Prism. Prism. Um, obviously, big news story at the moment. Why is that a news story? <laughs> Why is it a new story? Are you confused? I don't know about you, but I the day I saw that story, I was like, surely that's been going on forever? Like, Yeah, but I, I think... I mean, why is, why is that news? I was talking to my friend about it. It's like, do you remember when Jimmy Savile turned out to be a paedophile? <laughs> and we were all like... Yeah, yeah, but it was Jimmy Savile. He was a paedophile. <laughs> we like all his... kind of felt like we knew that anyway. That was his entire shtick, wasn't it? <laughs> he was a paedophile? I don't think it was, though. That, that, yeah, but I thought that was it. And now it's like the American government is finding out who is listening in to everyone's phone calls. Well, it's actually not even that. They're not even doing that. I just assumed that the President of the United States was personally listening in to just random phone calls. All the time. Like, yeah. like he can't use it to focus in on anything. He's just got this big machine that the CIA built for him because occasionally he just likes to listen in. Yeah, like, 
I just assumed that was what was going on. I assumed that whatever I, I assumed that whenever we speak on this show, there is some member of the CIA listening to everything we say over Skype. Yeah. Well, we've already, yeah. Well, we already know that Barack Obama listens because yeah. after we criticised his drone policies, uh, he he changed them. So you know. Exactly. So once again, hello, Barry. It's nice I to, don't uh, understand. Nice to know don't understand why it's news. I really can't understand why everyone's like. Oh, Oh my god, can't believe this guy's blowing the whistle. Blowing the whistle on what? The governments are kind of not cool? We knew this. <laughs> no, but I think that, that that we knew this, but but everybody else was just kind of assuming that it was hokey conspiracy theory. It's just one of the first times that somebody from inside one of those bodies who's worked for them has gone, yeah, that's literally what's happening. And also Wait. it's kind of worse than you thought. Was I a conspiracy theorist? Because I don't like the sound of that. No, 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 you're not. But, but like, it's possible that I don't know. I mean, in this internet age, I might be being incredibly naive here. But it's possible that that some people, up until this point, and maybe you know, continuing on after this point, were assuming that that governments were working for their benefit and not just their own. Right. I know. It's crazy. It's that still possible, though, isn't that, it? That's a news story. <laughs> There's a news story. This news just in. A number, large numbers of people surprised by prism fiasco. Yeah, yeah. Large numbers of people surprised to learn out that governments aren't cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's big news, man, the fact yeah. that they've been doing this. Also, it's... Uh, I was it was pointed out um, to me today by um by a friend of mine who's cautious about even believing the prism story which uh, you know it just seems so obvious that it must be true. Uh, one of the um outlined in the in the report that was leaked by the whistleblower I can't remember his name. Um Edward Snowden. I yeah, think. Mr Snowden. Uh, the yeah. report leaked by him one the first company that reportedly had um had had voluntarily signed on to this project without having to be asked was Microsoft that's the company that wants to put a uh, a microphone and uh, three-dimensional camera that's always on in your living room this Christmas <laughs> so uh so maybe reconsider on that one yeah maybe 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 chill out on that one maybe just uh, just just sit back have a coke with your name on it and think about that for a, for yeah. just a just a couple of minutes before you you go for an Xbox one this uh, this yeah. Christmas why, why don't you, this Christmas, get an Xbox One and sit in your living room with, with a bottle of Coke with your name on it and just, like, just like take a photo of that, that QR code and twitpick that to your, to your, uh, to your Facebook. Um, and while you're doing that, your Xbox will take a 3D picture of you in your pants uh, watching some pornography on your television, and then yeah. it will uh, it will twit th- twit pick that uh, to US government. Just just do that. Just do that. It's That's fine. The way the world I think goes. one of the things that didn't really shock me about Prism as well is I know so many people who live their lives through social media so much that like you don't have to be the CIA. Like I know people that if I wanted to murder them at literally any time of the day, I could find them and kill them. Because yeah. they basically surveil themselves and tell everyone everything they're doing all the time. So yeah. I'd make it look like an accident. I'm a professional. I've got standards. But there are some people, if I didn't want them to be alive anymore, I could I could engineer a situation where they would die and nobody would ever know it was me. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I remember I once had someone I was friends with on Facebook and I had to actually, like, hide their status because, like, every 
every five minutes they'd update Foursquare with where they were at that exact time. Like they're not. It, it's not going to be any trouble to find them. You yeah, know? you know, obviously our phones are full to... of trackers. Uh, it's nice now that those phones. Um, that uh, my phone, for example, is very polite. It occasionally asks me if I want to turn on its ability to uh, to tell where I am anywhere in the world. Um, but you know, if it's got data connection, people will be able to find roughly where I am. Yeah. So so there we go. I um, think that the, the thing that shocked people is is they weren't aware of the the scale and the scope of the data milling that right. uh, that that the NSA were doing. The thing I like though is the NSA their uh, their data milling and and gathering system is called Prism, which is a, a daft, boring, an acronym which sounds like an actual word. You know what the CIA one's called? What Palantir. That's cool. Now that is fucking cool. That's Let's, really cool. <laughs> nice, nice setup, CIA. I think you're yeah. winning in the cool, terrifying tech name department. You know what else actually bothered me about that whole story was kind of like this came out and like the kind of director of the NSA was like, "Yeah, this is a major security breach. This has kind of undermined our entire security strategy." It's like, dude, if your security strategy was finding out who had called who on their phones, then no fucking wonder you're losing the war on terror. Okay, <laughs> you need to step up your fucking game. <laughs> sir, sir, we've got, we've got, um, we've inter- intercepted a, um, a a transmission from Syrian rebels saying they're going to use a dirty bomb on an, on a neighbouring state. Hey, whoa, 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 that's important. But at the moment, I'm just trying to find out what Marsha said to Trina to cause her to act like that. Yeah, well, it's like, sir, we 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 think that Al Qaeda may have got nuclear material. Okay, let's check our records. Right, well. All we've got is phone records, and it's 2013, so we've got, like, five people on here. (laughs) Because because no one makes fucking phone calls anymore, so this isn't an issue. They were checking internet traffic as well. So, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just phone calls. But, yeah, the fact that that, that a large portion of their information gathering still relies on phone calls... Um, that's some shit. What you want to do is track Daisy, yeah, um, because because there is an there is an environment that I have seen some strange things going on in uh, yeah. in in recent months. We've spoken about Daisy before. We have, yeah. Um, G's tried to play it with me, and I think it's a bit too much for you, isn't it, G? It, it's a little bit too much video game for me. Yes, um, I've noticed things happening on servers. Uh, there are clandestine meetings going on in certain areas uh people may be discussing things that that, that are difficult to track on uh, on you know third party ran servers in the middle of the doldrums of the internet because if you're going to have like a terrorist meetup what better place for an on a video game on a video That's game crazy shit so they're and, like and daisy's got a massive world map with areas that are really easy to contain and control you just need a couple of guys with powerful in-game guns and then you have your child sex ring meet up right there <laughs> that's the fucking wild west and it's literally the internet wild west because daisy has been designed to be the internet wild west 
And you're kind of hope you kind of thinking, God, well, I hope uh, that's really stupid. And there are actually some guys watching, and then you find out, oh no, no, all they're doing is is finding out who's like who's googling what. They're not yeah. even doing that. It's like, oh, this person went on Google. What did they say? Oh, we don't know that. They went on Google I would for five seconds. Fund like a Daisy Police Kickstarter. If the NSA were like. We want to fund a school that teaches kids to be really good at these crazy, sprawling MMOs so that they can be, like, private detectives in dig- digital realms like Guild Wars 2 and like DayZ and like so World of Warcraft. I'd be one, like, I would fund that because it's fucking cool. One, once again, we've come back to the South Korean cyber police. Yeah. They're apparently the only law enforcement agency on the world who's doing it right. So. Yeah. So Can check Day Z this week. You come across like a strange clandestine meeting of of people in a barn that's protected by by men with very high powered weaponry. Um, maybe just listen in and see what they're talking about. Yeah, maybe maybe I don't know. Try and call the police and say you should connect Daisy, and they'll be like, "What, what are you talking about?" <laughs> call the police. Where are you? I'm uh, I'm about two clicks north of Electro. What do you mean? It's in uh, it's in a game called Daisy. Hello, hello. Uh, oh, they've hung up. Okay, I guess they weren't ready. They weren't ready for the criminal tech. Um, to, a police department who is ready for the modern world. I think uh, this is. I think we've been a bit down this episode for some reason. Um, this is the police department of Brimfield, Ohio, where the chief of police has started ticketing young children on bikes. Simon. Oh, so what? Because because they're not they're not wearing helmets or something like that. No, he's ticketing children who are wearing helmets. He's giving them tickets for free ice cream. Oh, nice. That's that's sweet. Is this our, uh, our, our awesome police officer of the week? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, this is um, I, I'm Chief Police Chief David Ol- Oliver. You are our awesome police chief of the week, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he says the way he phrases it is quite awesome. My officers will have quotas for tickets, at least one per shift. We're going to be profiling too, Chief David Oliver raised last week. We will target a specific group with the express purpose of writing as many tickets as possible. <laughs> I am strongly encouraging my officers to write as many as they can every shift, every day. It's called Operation Safe Summer. Is this like a is this a by any chance, a small-town American police chief with an understanding of irony? Because that's what it seems like what's going on here. I think that's exactly what's going on. Like, America's found the one American who actually gets irony <laughs> and have made him a police chief, and he's, he's being awesome with that. So, yeah, good work. Um, so, yeah, basically, um, if a police, if a police officer sees, um, sees a, ch- a child on a bike and they're wearing their helmet, he'll give them this uh, ice cream ticket. And um, if it if they even if they're not sort of on a bike if they if they see them like doing something helpful like picking up litter or helping an old lady across the street something like that then they then they're also liable to get a ticket for a free ice cream so good awesome work david oliver that's that's a that's exactly what small town police forces should be doing yeah yeah um so yeah, I mean, I, I often don't have much many nice things to say about sort of uh, the American police force. I think, <laughs> they, I think they quite often come in for a lot of lot of stick on this show. But it's yeah. it's nice to see that some people are trying to turn that around. So good work, Mister Mister Oliver. Um, yeah. I have uh, 
this week. I've been listening to a lot of uh, of you know speaking about local local police forces. I've been listening to a lot of local radio uh, this week. I've been doing quite a bit of driving up and down from uh, Nottingham to Leamington because I'm moving this weekend. Moving yeah. with my fiance, moving the studio to uh, to a flat in Leamington. Exciting times. Uh, yeah, I'm very very excited about. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of local radio. Um, also, I've been listening to a lot of the uh, the numbered BBC radio stations that I rarely listen to. That is BBC Three and BBC Two. Um, and right. I've discovered that that BBC Two are, are, are holding what I can only describe as the most middle class sounding festival ever. So what for hosting Glastonbury? Well, no, it's uh, it's even more G, even more middle class than Glastonbury. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, I, I I I hesitate to uh, to say this, but but it goes on. It's going to be running for uh, for one day, the eighth of September this year. Yeah. Um, you know, after you maybe your kids they've uh, they've gone to Reading and Leeds or Download or V Festival or well, I'm thinking it, it's I guess that's just about the time to kid the kids go to university as well. Yeah. So your kids have gone back to university. Yeah. And you've got like, some free time. Why can't me and uh, me and my my husband uh, take the take the convertible BMW down to a down to a festival somewhere just for one day? Because you know we don't want to go too crazy. Yeah, listen to some bands that we like. Uh, would, so, you, would you like to guess maybe for me what bands will be playing at um, BBC Radio Two live in Hyde Park? Okay, Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons are not. Uh, playing i think the first thing you've got to do is imagine anybody who's musically relevant at the moment just uh just pluck those from your mind just pluck them pluck them out of the list is james blunt still around yes you are correct <laughs> uh, james blunt will be playing there okay um enya enya will not oh uh, maybe uh, a bit too esoteric maybe um Oh, I'm trying to remember. There was there was another woman who only had one name and was kind of quite big in a in the nineties in kind of like the late nineties, early two thousands. I can't yeah. remember her name. It's um, Natasha Bedingfield. No, I oh, see that's a really good shout as well. <laughs> um, that so, some of the people playing at this um, this event are James Blunt, as you said, mm. Smokey Robinson, okay. Josh Groban. Jo- of course, yeah, Jack. Like, jo- it's Jack, Josh Johnson. Jack Johnson, okay, yeah. Texas will be playing. <laughs> Manic Street Preachers will be there. Oh, right, okay. Jamie Cullum will be attending. Of course, Jamie fucking Cullum is um, attending. Treacherous so they've got, so they've got Josh Groban and Jamie Cullum. Yeah. Because Jamie, it's Jamie Cullen essentially the shit Josh Groban. Yeah, I hope that like they one directly follows the other. That would be amazing. <laughs> Um, and uh, possibly not the headline act of the entire festival, but obviously for me, the headline act, my boys, Simple Minds, will be playing there. Wow. Uh, uh, which yeah. are basically just Charlie the Bassist from Simple Minds and a number of other people at this point, but it still kind of counts. Yeah, it's, it still kind of counts. So it's it's it's, it's the, it's the bassist from Simple Minds and some of his mates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's a hell of a lineup. Yeah, that is. How's yeah. that? How do you like that? Uh, not very much. That sounds like a very boring afternoon. How like like it, like how not fired up could you be at an event? It's like apart from Simple Minds, who are one of the best bands in the world, or were when they were still that band. 
um, all of these bands seem specifically calibrated to vaguely entertain me, but they're not so bad they make me angry and they're not so good I'm uplifted. They're like all, they're all Magnolia. It's the most Magnolia festival ever. It, that's it, yeah. It, it, it's the Magnolia Festival, hosted <laughs> by Radio 2 in Hyde Park. <laughs> Featuring Jack Johnson, Jamie Cullum, Josh Groban, Manic Street Preachers and Smokey Robinson. I mean, the, the thing is with the Manic Street Preachers is it's, I think that just shows how far they've fallen. Yeah, because they, they were like, back in their day, they, they were a bit of a... They were they were quite political, weren't they? They were very political. They um, were they were like the most left wing band in the world. Yeah. And now they're playing now now they're sandwiched between Jamie Cullen and Josh Groban. <laughs> at the at Radio Two Live in Hyde Park. Good lord, yeah. That's yeah. uh that's kind of depressing, isn't it? It is. And if you tolerate this, then your children will be next. Hang oh, on a that reminds that reminds me, Brian. I've got to cut. I've got to call Crispin and find out whether he find out whether he bought some food. <laughs> <laughs> see, see if he worked out how to warm up that that sun blush tomato for catcher bread that I left for them. Do you reckon that Manic Street Preachers, I'm hoping that, that as they play, if um, tolerate this at the BBC Radio 2 live in Hyde Park, the uh, the lead singer will just have an epiphany and will just, halfway through the song, will just sit down and weep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, because that's exactly... That's exactly what everyone at that event will be doing, tolerating it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, a good work, BBC Radio Two. You've yeah. uh, you've created uh, what I can only describe as an explosion of blandness, <laughs> a muffled muffled explosion, so as not to uh, offend anyone's sensibilities. A chicken korma of a of a musical festival. <laughs> <laughs> a, um, a a Morrison's own brand pork pie of a festival. <laughs> It's not quite Tesco's. Yeah. It's not quite Melton. Somewhere between there. Somewhere somewhere between those two. Um thinking about curry, can I give you a disgusting story in Please brief? Do. Um, do you not enjoy curry or is it a disgusting story about curry? I enjoy curry very much. Uh someone who perhaps doesn't enjoy curry is Lee Tyres, forty years old of Middlesbrough. Who went? Who went to a uh, Jamal, uh, an Indian restaurant called Jamal's? Um, he bought a lambuna, and uh, but after eating half of the curry, he uh, he apparently went to the bathroom, trimmed some pubic hair, and took it back to his table and sprinkled it over his curry, and then uh, and then complained to the to the restaurant saying, "There's pubes all over my curry." Yeah, we know you put them there. We um, just watched you leave and come back with a fistful of your own pre pubes. Um, right, Jamal Chowdhury, the uh, owner of the restaurant, said he showed me his plate and he said, and I said, I gave you a clean plate. He'd eaten eaten everything, but then on the side of a the plate there was some brown hair. It was separate and not mixed into the food. I took it under the light and showed him it was brown hair. And all the staff in the restaurant had black hair. Now, <laughs> all right. So obviously he's he, he's shown to a person that it couldn't have been there. 
Did he get, did this guy get the staff of a restaurant to reveal their pubic hair? I, I, I can only hope that yes, 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 he did. I hope so. I hope that in the pursuit of justice, yeah. he was like, and look, and look, Lads. and look, and look, see? All Lads. of these men, natural black. Natural black hair. Um, officials at Teesside Magistrate Court uh, found Tyres guilty of fraud and sentenced him to 15 j- days in jail and a £39.55 uh, fine in, in compensation. What are you in for, murder? What are you in for? Put pubes on a curry? <laughs> Oh, we're going to have a real good 15 days. To be fair, like, actually, like, two weeks in jail does seem a little bit extreme. For That's such two... a long time as well. Yeah, like, two weeks is a long time to for for pubes and curry, I think. For pubes on a curry, you're going to get two weeks in the big house. <laughs> <laughs> like, for fine, like, maybe even, like, a su- suspended sentence or yeah. something. But, like... Yeah, lock him up, throw away the key. <laughs> He's a menace. He's a menace to society. They call yep. him the Middlesbrough Puba. <laughs> the Middlesbrough Puba. He strangles his victims with his own pubic hair, by which I mean he once put some pubes on a curry. <laughs> was it a curry someone else was eating? No, it was his own curry. No, was, he was trying to get it for free, and we were like, fuck it, put him in jail. Don't you think that... Actually, the cost to the taxpayer of putting that man in jail for two weeks is going to be more than your average curry. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, I mean, uh, a lambooner, probably somewhere around six, seven quid, yeah. generally. It's probably going to cost more from, from that than that to put him in jail for two weeks. Yeah, so, so essentially what's happened is we've, like, he's tried to shirk his way out of a lambooner and that has cost, cost the, the taxpayer hundreds of pounds. Yeah. That's so, the situation there. Yeah. In broken Britain. That is broken Britain. Pubes on curries, people in jail. Broken Britain. That's what it is. <laughs> um, another example of uh, broken Britain. I'm, I'm just going to do news in brief. Uh, headline from the Metro. Party girl, 23, loses bladder after snorting 100 lines of ketamine a day. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> That will, yes, uh, that's not news. That will do it, yes. That will do it. I mean, a hundred lines of ketamine, how long? I mean, I guess if it's a line, I, I'm assuming it need, there needs to be a certain length in, in comparison to its width. What length was it? What was it cut with? Where'd she get it from? A lot of questions here from, lot of from, questions. from me. Not Obviously, really. I, have, I have no prior understanding of, of ketamine at all. Mum and dad. <laughs> yeah, a lot, lot of questions not really being answered. No. I, um, my understanding is that ketamine's not one of the more expensive drugs, but still, like it's not. And they describe it in that article as a party drug. I've seen, I've seen people take that drug, and they they weren't having a party. <laughs> so it maybe they like could have been a could have been a party at Barrymore's. Uh, it wasn't think- an actual party. Maybe they were having they were they were having some sort of party, perhaps. But <laughs> yeah. yeah not, but not, basically, everybody I've spoken to or people I've seen do ketamine. Um, that they've done it once or twice, and then they've not returned. I've not not heard of somebody be like, "I'm going to do this a hundred times. I'm not going to stop until my, my like they literally have to start removing parts of me." 
Like, I mean, this is the thing. Okay, I mean, it is horse tranquilizer, but you know, one of the things that it's commonly sort of put about is that it's in the in the long term, it's generally not that harmful. Not that we're encouraging it. No, I guess but you not. have to really go out of your way to make it harmful. And this person, you know, the sort of we're not, um, as I say, not controlling its use. But there's the phrase "everything in moderation." <laughs> That's make, not moderation. That's the opposite of moderation. Make it a sometimes thing if you're going to do it. Or don't do it at all. Don't uh, do the, it at all. But if you have to, make it a sometimes thing. Or else you're going to lose your bowels or you're going to eat someone's face. It's one yeah, of those two yeah. things. So and, those, yeah. are, those are the only two options, kids. Yeah, don't oh, yeah. do drugs. Or else you'll have to get a bag attached to your, your, your holes so that, you know, stop all everything leaking out. Or you're going to eat a homeless guy's face. Yes, yeah. uh, that, that two settings with drugs. That, that that would you see that's what that's what the police should do when they go around school, schools to get kids to stop eating drugs. It's like kids, if you do drugs, you're either going to you're either going to kind of constantly piss yourself or eat someone's face. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only two. They side just come in and all drugs, no matter how many you take, no matter how much what what drug it is, could be anything. Could be a bit of what's that? bit of Clarky Cat, bit of Jessup yeah. Jessup, whatever. Take whatever. You're just going to end up pissing yourself while you eat someone's face. I always remember, like, when the police came into... I think they came into primary school and gave the, uh, the drugs talk, you know. Really? So, That's early? Because they, they didn't even the, register on my radar until they, secondary school. Well, I mean, we, we didn't know a huge amount about it, but, you know, in Swansea, people do start early, so... Also, yeah, Swansea, isn't it heroin capital of the world or something like that? Something like that, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I guess it is a bit of an issue. But one of the things that sticks in my mind is that they told us... Um, one, they told us that LSD was an addictive drug, which um, isn't mm, true. Not so much. Not really so true. Um, but also, what they told us was that LSD's kind of often disguised as um, as stickers and things, which is true. Yeah, that is true. Um, But that was so that you could trick children into thinking they were temporary tattoos and things, and then they put on the temporary tattoos, and then they would get addicted to acid. Yeah, that's. uh, I've heard that as well. I can't remember where I've heard that fable, that myth, if you will. Um, I don't understand what's the, the, the assumption is that you've got, like, LSD baby crack houses is that the idea? Is well, that what I guess that what what's happened is you get given a sticker, and then you have a crazy trip, and then you're like, oh, I need to buy more LSD because getting that trip made me know what just happened. Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> course. Like, if you actually think about it, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think that primary school age kids are going to be like, hang on a minute, let me logically dissect this argument you're making. I mean, I don't know. I was a pretty precocious child. <laughs> That's basically exactly what happened. I was, oh, really? Wait wait a second. <laughs> hang on a minute. I've prepared a 10-minute PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> if you could help me reach the buttons on the computer, uh, on the computer keyboard, because I'm a bit short at the moment. Yeah, um, I can uh, tab through it and we'll have a look, and we'll 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 we'll, we'll take this apart rationally. <laughs> um, we've we, I feel feel we've rushed through quite a lot of stuff here. I know there was yeah. stuff we didn't cover. Um, yeah, we would have wanted to, but there you go. It's fine. The music of the wanted isn't going to get worse anytime <laughs> soon. Maybe it will. It's not going to get better. So it's not going to get. We better. can talk about that next week. Um, so thank you very much for listening and for bearing with me 
during my sort of incredible sleep deprivation. I hope it didn't affect the show too much. Uh, you, you did spend a long time talking about the crabs and your brain, but it's fine. I'll edit that out. Oh, oh cool, cool. Okay. Yeah, that you see, this is kind of what I was slightly worried about. Um <laughs> But yeah, it, thank you for listening. Um, as always, please tell a friend, um, like the show on Facebook and share links we post with your friends. Uh, retweet us on Twitter. So on Facebook, we're facebook.com forward slash errand of mercy. Our Twitter is at EOM podcast. You can email us. That's eom.podcast at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. And and we're on YouTube as that's EOM podcast. Yeah, that is basically everywhere. Um, what I what I suggest you do is ignore the Electric Old Men podcast YouTube page. Uh, they haven't put anything up on on that for years. So they may have died. That's fine. That's... Uh, we are the new EOM podcast, and yes. we are here. We're here to help. <laughs> we are. We're here to help. We're here to save the world from itself. We are on an errand of mercy. Uh, thank you very much, and we will see you next week. Yes, indeed. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.